1: Uh, So just go ahead and introduce yourself and uh, tell us about your uh, dog life journey.
0: Okay, I'm Cindy Mason. We're from Bahia, Mississippi. Um, Started out with Fieldline Labs, Tree and Walker Coonhounds. The family and I would hunt several nights a week. Um, it's something that my children and I enjoyed doing more than anything and eventually um, Took one of our male boxers with us by accident He got out and ended up on the, on the trail with us and next thing. I know he had a coon in his mouth and we thought well, wow, look at this guy and so um, We went ahead and started taking him out quite often uh, Again now boxers are not sight hounds and but he had great ears so he would follow the bays of the of the walkers and lead us down the trails, you know, a couple miles at some point. And um, they do all the work and he'd come in and, and kill the coon and he'd have all the fun. <laughs> so, um, we've tried a few other boxers with it. Sometimes they have it, sometimes they don't, but I can tell you that they're pretty prey driven. And we like that about them and we give them the opportunity. Um, your girls, your females, especially your intact bitches are pretty tough. They're just as tough almost as a, a walker bitch. They'll they'll go into a den. They'll go up trees that are sideways. They'll do whatever that it takes to get the prey.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. So that's that's a lot of fun. Um, and then of course you know, over the years my boys grew up, and they decided they wanted human girls versus dog girls. And um, <laughs> so the walkers kind of left us. Uh, you know, we keep one or two around every now and then. You Know, but then the boxers were just something that was always in my heart, so we started breeding pretty regularly with them. And um, you know, I mean, some of them aren't good out in the woods, some of them are uh, just don't know what to do, they don't have the instincts. But then you've got a handful that you could probably put on a hog. And uh, we've we know quite a few Connie Corso breeders and a few others that have even offered the opportunity, but of course, I just keep my plate pretty, pretty full of having haven't got to that point yet right yeah so we we do walkers but the boxers are our hearts mm-hmm. uh, it's just something that we grew up with you know you get a puppy mm-hmm. typically from backyard breeders or off of the side of the road or or whatever um and then you start seeing the versatility of them um, the funny the funny side of them the serious side of them as well and then when you start putting the work into it, which I did several years ago, and started researching more, especially in the genetics and the health testing ends, uh, to tr- try to create a better, health, a more healthy puppy. Mm-hmm. Um is the ones that were dying three and four from, you know, the myopathy and whatnot parts. And then, you know, we've battled demonetics over the years, um, not so much from our lines, but we've had to learn to to call certain ones out of our breeding program. Um, we basically just love the boxers over the years, especially now that we're more into it as far as the precise health testings, the precise genetics on the working end that I want.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, the versatility has to be there or they won't stay in our program. Mm-hmm. And I mean versatility, they have to be nice with children and they need to be out here um, hunting something as well, and everything is clean.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, first and foremost is going to be the heart issues. Um, we have ES and SAS creeping up everywhere, and the, the problem with this is, is once you go and you get your echocardiograms, a lot of people don't want others to know, and they'll go ahead and breed. Mm-hmm. So you're putting a genetic issue into the next line. It's not something that will skip generations. It's pretty much going to leak right down to the very next generation. You know, you're, you're a direct offspring. Um, and then you just continuously add that to it. That's the one thing is uh, boxers have bad hearts. And now uh, here in America, of course, we've got DM, which is the de- degenerative melopathy, and that's a that's a spinal issue. It, it causes um, the boxers later on in life. It's a, a older adult-onset disease, um, but now you, they can be paralyzed from about, their midsection down to their legs. Um, it Things like that can pretty much be sought after through genetic testings and eventually eliminated. And that's what upsets me about some of these breeders nowadays on the health testing end Say for DM, it is a genetic test. You can test at any time. The puppy can be a day old and test. Well, if it's a two carrier, you need to call that out of the program. I don't mean hardcore. I'm talking soft core.
2: Right.
0: Pull it out of the program and send it to a pet home. You know, um, have it spayed or neutered at an appropriate age. But what's happening here, especially in the U.S., not so much across seas, but here in the U.S., is people are throwing cute dogs together and they're not utilizing the health testing results as they should
2: Mm
0: -hmm. a lot of these can be um i mean there are times if you take a whole dog you look at the dog as a whole and it has a little something like if it's a carrier of the limb well if this is a champion dog or a very titled working dog of some sort you can put that dog with a clear and then you keep offspring back and of course you eliminate the ones that are carriers and then you keep the ones that are clear in your program Mm -hmm. or into the next program that you are selling full rights on. You know, there are ways to do it. It's just gonna take many, many generations to do so. Um, It's it's aggravating, it's exhausting to watch some of the breeders. Um, I just have had to surround myself with people that don't participate in those type of actions. Mm Otherwise, it makes you want to give up, um, and I'm not ever going to do that. That's not in me. We're going to make this a better breed, and we're going to continue working these dogs in some shape, form, or fashion. I don't care if it's little performance titles or even the show read, or we do service dog work. We do therapy dog work, and we do a lot of protection work. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you um, talk about some of your mentors in in the boxer world?
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's so many to mention. Um, of course, I'll I'll just start, you know, say with show. I've got Della Grant um, here in Mississippi, Don Rubio, and Hope Jones. They're, they've they taken me under their wings for show. Confirmation shows is what I'm talking about. I'm not a huge show person, but I do enjoy the fact that I have a, a set of expert eyes on my dog to show me my flaws.
2: Mm-hmm. Because,
0: again, you don't want to be kennel blind as to what you're breeding. Right.
2: Right.
0: Um, as far as, like, the bite work, um, the protection work, I've got Jacques Bonnet, which uh Allegiance Canine in Memphis. We've got Mike Jones and uh, Primal Canine in California. He flies out. Mike flies out quite often to our area and um, puts on seminars. And any chance we get to slip away to one of those, uh, the the amount of information between Mike Jones and, and Jacques Bonnet and the collaboration they created passes on such an a, a knowledge that you take home with you, and you can apply to what you're asking or wanting of your dog. Mm -hmm. Um, As far as, you know, our performance titles, which we do everything from the all-breed lure coursing, we've tried barn hunts and dock diving, got different levels of CGCs across all of ours, Um, especially across, you know, the southern states. We enjoy the titling. It's a lot of fun, but I will tell you, the main reason we do it is because of the fellowship and the performance events. We get together. It's our people. It's our brigade. Um, Whether it's just boxers or whether it's other breeds as well, it's a good weekend, just fun-filled, play some little sets on who's the slowest and who's the fastest. Mm -hmm. It's a good fellowship. And then again, in turn, uh, you do see, like I've got two here. I've got my two males here. I've got one that is – been the number two spot on the boxers across the United States of America as far as speed forever. I've also got one here that is on the slowest spot for speed because he has no prey drive whatsoever. <laughs> uh, so it, it we, we enjoy seeing what they like. Um, we throw them into all these events, these performance events. We see what they can do. We see what they're scared of. That brings us knowledge home. You know, we can bring that home and work on that facet as far as – Eliminating or helping this dog over a hump is the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, as far as my vets, my vets are huge mentors uh, because, again, now vets nowadays, it's not, um, it's not pretty much their spay neuter advocates. So for my vets to meet me in the middle as a breeder, I appreciate that more from them than I could ever possibly say. They see the worst of the worst on a daily basis yet i bring in puppies they could very well say you're adding to an issue but they don't because i know i'm doing this so correctly or i'll do it mm-hmm. but my vets is uh uh let's see dr christine Mueller here in mississippi um dr yelena lakova in tennessee and dr jennifer strope in tennessee um, for them to collaborate with me on ideas uh expanding our knowledge when a new test pops up for our breed, we'll sit down and we'll discuss it. We'll talk about it and ways to implement it into our breeding program. And that gives the vets the knowledge to help other clients with the same breeds or with the same genetic uh, predispositions. Right. Um And as you know, we have a Borble, so I'm going to mention. Since we have our big boy, Hayes, our Borble, I'd like to recognize a few of my mentors in the Borble world as well. Dichotomy working Borbles in Virginia, Revelation Borbles in Virginia, and Proffers kennels in Missouri, which is where Hayes came from. These, these three kennels have brought me, now I know it's on the Borble end, but they also, it, it's their dog breeders, their dog showers, their dog, um, they take their dogs to events as well. So I always want to mention that just because it's a different breed altogether, that doesn't mean that we don't collaborate with ideas and ethics and just overall help, say, with whelping in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. When a puppy pops up with something that's six weeks old and you don't know what crap it is, you'll reach out to your breeder friends before you ever even reach out to your vets. You know, we we all see certain things, and those three those three ladies have really helped me over the last five years to expand my knowledge across all breeds, not just Thorbils or Boxers. Right. Yeah, so those are pretty much my mentors. Uh, of course, I've got a ton of friends, and, you know, I just cannot mention them all, but they're always there for me, for us. Um, my husband Nathan, our children, we couldn't do what we do without each other.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. to run a kennel is no small feat Um, and devastation it surrounds you at times Um, you know when you have to take a $2,500 dog that's imported and you take it away um, out of your breeding program that hurts you know but it's the right thing to do and when when you've got your family and your very close friends and or your mentors to tell you you did right Mm -hmm. it pushes you to the next day and opens up your heart to the next lineage that's coming up to you because we do keep that quite often mm-hmm. off of our own. well you know the history um the boxers are a direct descendant of the extinct bull and the bulldog they were originally bred to hunt wild larger game um over the years over the generations over the non-use of certain aspects of this breed they've moved towards some guardian but mostly companion um a lot of a lot of breeders here in the states there are some that still work these dogs as they should they wholeheartedly believe in the working aspect of the breed and then you have some that only produce to put the put the dogs on the couch Mm -hmm. i again don't surround myself with those people um they i want my people to understand that we're going to work these dogs in some shape form or fashion i don't care if it's out here in the yard um making them work on something or pulling weights or doing circles with with a spring pole or if we take them to a different state for an actual competition um which we have done so many times uh there are times that we've even put titles on them that our parent club doesn't even recognize but we want to see what our dogs are capable of especially in different environments because, again, the boxers have kind of been watered down over the years. And so when you, when you start bringing in different environments or um, environmental factors, you'll see a, a nervy dog pop up or you'll see one that just refuses. And we're talking very good old dogs. And they'll refuse to walk across something or they'll refuse to go after that man in the suit or whatever it may be. Well, the only way you know these flaws is to get out there. Work, play, and test them.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, um, as far as the history, the history is pretty much lost in this breed. But there are a few breeders in this world, especially well, some in the states. Um, it's in their heart to work and to please us, a hundred percent. So they thrive upon that. Um, if you if you give them a job, I don't care if it's guarding a ball or guarding a, a house, they're going to do it, and they're going to be happy as long as you're happy. So over the years, the watered down aspect of the working breed is a bit upsetting. Um, just because we show doesn't mean that we're not all the way in in between all the way to the other end of the spectrum with the bite work, the protection work. Mm-hmm. We, we'll take that same dog off the show ring and go do some bite work is what I'm saying. Right. Um, the versatility of this breed... It needs to remain steadfast but unfortunately it's something that a bunch of us breeders are trying to work back towards
1: mm-hmm. yep <clears throat> can you talk about the uh, difference between the american lines and the european lines
0: um a lot of it is going to be their size uh-huh their head shape, boxers are a head breed
2: mm-hmm.
0: and um when it comes down to the Euros versus say the American lines you take my Euro boy ventus versus my American boy Harsh, then you're looking at what some people will if they don't know the boxer breed, they're gonna say that is not even the same breed. Well, Harsh is more of an old style. Mm-hmm. He's a he's a great big guy. Um, he's got a longer muzzle. It's wide. It's long. It's, he can run five miles and ask for more. Um, Ventus is very, uh, I call him my brute. He's my bull in the china cabinet. He's, um, he's got a lot of structure to his bones. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a, he's a wider boy. He's lower to the ground. If you put these two together, Harsh looks like he's floating in air, and Ventus looks like he's digging a trench with his feet mm-hmm. um, on, a, on a run. So, you do, they're the same breed, they have the same heart, but they do not share all the same um, the same wants and desire of, say, chasing a rabbit or chasing a flirt pole or chasing a man. Harsh would never bite a human. Mm-hmm. Ventus would bite you no matter if you're man or woman or child. Um, but the, this the, again it's the difference in the, how I raised them um, as far as the looks they're quite different and that will remain so for some time over the years of the generations especially on the eurodogs um, the muzzles have gotten flatter to their face we call them the bracky breeds for a reason uh, I see some that are have a harder time to, to recoup from exercise mm-hmm. That's not what we breed here for. If we don't have a medium to longer muzzle, we're just not gonna have it. Um, again, now, muzzle isn't everything. Of course, you know, there's more uh, genetics inside inside that helps them to breathe and to recoup. Um, but I can tell you that my American boy can run a lot further and not pant than my Euro boy.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But with that being said, my euro boy is being bred to my American girls. And so, therefore, we are creating a middle-sized muzzle Mm -hmm. and a middle-sized body with a lot of substance to their bones. Mm -hmm. So, both are complementing each other. And they work good. Mm -hmm. I like the fixes um, of the percentages. Um, It puts a working heart in their body, and it puts girth in their butts to um, compromise for that working heart as well. The stamina is just the thing, and that's what we're breeding here for. You know, a lot of a lot of our puppies are good, great pets. I won't even say good. I'll say they're great pets. They adore their families. They love their children more than their own selves. I'm not real sure that some of them would make it in, say, protection work. Or then there's some that would be a little bit too hyper for, say, therapy work, like mm-hmm. Harsh does. Mm-hmm. So we keep back quite often to see what we're breeding out of our little matings
2: mm-hmm.
0: that's going to be on the prey side um, again there's a difference between and prey driven and not prey driven mm-hmm. uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna use my two boys again. Mm-hmm. harsh is prey driven he works at performance he takes performance events very very seriously uh, we're all out there hee-hawing and having a blast and placing our bets and enjoying good food and laughing and joking, and he is as stoic as they come. He 100% would give his life for that stupid little rabbit that's on the, the line. Mm-hmm. Right? He is so prey-driven. He's passed it on. Then you take my boy Ventus that, uh, that could care less about this rabbit. Now, you show him the dude at the end of the field that's waiting on him to come down there, and then then he's ready to talk to you. So when I'm looking, I'm looking for just a combination. I don't always find that. I do have a young bitch that we bought out of Tennessee, um, Mount Juliet neighbors, uh, Mount Juliet Boxers of, of Neighbors. And so I see a lot in her that's going to complement both of my boys if we ever get to the point of breeding her. She has got prey drive and she can work on the field or in protection sports you don't see that quite often and i'm excited to add her to my program after her health testings are complete and i'm going to try both boys one one on one breeding one on the other and see what we come up with because you just when you when you start getting these percentage these mixes of percentages you'll see that um you i feel like there's a little bit there's more versatility to it Um, You get all Americans, and and pretty much you're looking at prey drive, prey drive. You get all Euros, and you're looking at not so much prey drive, um, but less work, work, work. Mm -hmm. You know, so I like that in between, and we have two bitches here, as a matter of fact, that um, show such versatility. So let's hope that they'll be the mothers of our next standing males that show that versatility. Mm Mm-hmm. That's what I I don't, I do go and look for that, but you're not often going to find it. Sometimes I feel like you just look up. And then again, you raise them a certain way, you throw a million environmental stimulants at them, and you see which ones they appreciate and not scared of the most, and you roll with it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what I look for, is, is basically it boils down to versatility. Again, I'm very excited to see if these two mothers can produce our next standing studs.
1: Can you talk about some of the jobs that the boxers have had in the last 60, 70 years and if there is any kind of um, uh, movement to to get boxers back into the working world? There is a lot of
0: movement to get boxers back into the working world. And I'm so appreciative of the people that have, um, you know... All the sweat and the blood and the tears and the money and the traveling and missed time with their families just to throw these boxers back onto the field, whether it be IPO or APPDA style, maybe PSA. There's so many facets now that are popping up that people are um, they they're so encouraging to you when you walk on that field there's never a man out there that's going to beat you down to, sit, to set you up to fail this is what I appreciate um, the, around, uh, about the people that I surround myself with um, I see this coming up but for the last probably 30 years we have pretty much went to couch potatoes mm-hmm. or, just, or just good companions um, and, and that's great too I, I had a lab for 14 years she was my best girlfriend in this world and she was literally had never worked a day in her life, didn't even want to. You know, um, she was my best friend. I don't mind uh, seeing these dogs as best friends as well. But again, once you start testing them in different environments, then you'll see oh, wow, I didn't know my dog was interested in that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> that just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but the people that are out there, just like me and Nathan are, and we're busting tail and we're spending every dime and Uh, My gear room looks like something out of a a store. It's ridiculous uh, the amount of gear I have. Um, You know, just there's so many things that I see coming up that are good. Maybe not so much as way back in the day when they were working for, um, you know, hunting large game and and stuff like that. I think that's not going to be in our generation by any means. But I do see more bark coming off the couches. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I see more people realizing that these dogs need a job and that's what makes them happy and thrive. Um, not just hanging out and because look, I've got eight dogs and every one of them would sit on the couch with me. I'm not saying that I'm saying once they wake up, it's time to work.
2: Right.
0: It's time to work. And I, and we push them hard. We push every one of them hard to see what they can do and what their limits are because you don't know if you don't try. Right. Again, you being a bulldog person, you'll realize when I say, we roll up to, say, a Charlie Randolph uh, seminar, and we're the only boxers there out of 30 or 50 people. And people look at us funny, which there was a couple at the last one, um, Alapahas. I enjoyed watching those bulldogs work. Um, But now we're typically the only bull breed there. And people look at us funny going, what's that dog going to do? And I'm going to say, well, ask him and see. Mm Mm-hmm and we we actually and i'm a very humble person but again i have much faith in the dog that i put on that field we are a team if i fight he fights if he fights i fight you know that kind of thing Mm -hmm. that's what i'm teaching this young bitch this up-and-coming young bitch as well you know don't go rogue on me Let's do this together. Mm-hmm. And when we do it together, it's pretty neat to watch my my other people, my other world of the Malamas and the Dutchies and, of course, the big shepherds. Um, you know, the Roddies come out. And it's pretty neat for them to look at me and go, well, I'll be damned. I didn't realize. Well, that's because we're just now getting it back. We're just now putting them out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's quite a few up north. Um, down here in the south, we don't have quite as... Many say the working dog trials and whatnot. Um, hopefully in 2020, I'll be trailing two bitches um, before we breed them up. I'd like to trial them out and, and get some working titles on them first. Because, again, we have not had the opportunity. But I watch everybody else. I talk to these people, um, and I, I see the excitement that they are holding by showing the, this breed that has been set back for a while. And to me, it's pretty neat. Um, it's pretty neat for some of my customers even to watch, you know, if I have a, a litter sired off a Ventus, you know, the working boy, they're like, wow, my puppy's dad does that? Mm-hmm. I'm like, sure he does. But it look at calm and cool. Mm-hmm. And he likes it, you know. So it's, a, it's neat to, to see the versatility coming back. It's neat to see the, I don't like to hear, well, boxers are goofy. Well, mine are not goofy, mine are very serious. I, whatever job I give them, whatever facet I throw them into. Um, They're very serious, they'll show up for a purpose. You know, you don't see mine scratching their backs on winter grass um, at an event. Mine are standing very stoic and ready, just waiting on the work. You know, I want to see that come back into our breed. Not that they're mean, I'm not saying the boxers are mean, I'm saying they can be serious and they can be taken seriously by others. That's good. See, temperament is, is pretty much everything. And then, you know, of course, the health testing behind it as well. Um, even if you're not in the breeding aspect of things, you still need a healthy dog. You know, and, and the only way to know that is to test. That's it. You know, I mean, we've had several pets that are already spayed and neutered that are still getting testings. You know, we want to see what we're producing.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: You know, as far as that, and as, as far as temperament testing, we do everything that we can. Mm-hmm. We temp test our pups at, you know, day 49. Later on, just like last year or, or, well, a few months ago, we threw two boxers into the TT test up at, um, you know, in Tennessee. You know, again, that's not even recognized. It talked me out my butt, but by God, we went out there and we showed up, we showed out, and I've seen a couple of claws in my, my young bitch, so we come home and we worked on them. Mm-hmm. That gave us something that opened my eyes. You know, and that's what I'm saying about these people. Some of these people, you know, especially before you breed, get out there and see what they can do first. Yeah. See what they can't do. And then go from there and decide what you want to produce and mm-hmm. what, you, what what lines you want to throw back into the gene pool. Right. Yes. Um, bull breeds, have, uh, we've lost a lot uh, in all the bull breeds. Um, again, you know, we show up to the, some of these seminars, and, I mean, we've been laughed at. But then by the end of the weekend, you know, people are shaking our hands and and we, we've made new friends with um you know new knowledge to share amongst ourselves, you know between especially between the herders and the bull breeds.
2: Right.
0: So it's it, I always try to hit these seminars. I always respect my people. We walk in humble. We come away with good knowledge. To me, that's a fantastic weekend.
1: Yeah, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, I admire you for doing that. I mean, it could scare a lot of people off with uh, the off-breeds. If there was a new breeder that wanted to get into boxers, or any breed for that matter, but in particular bull breed like boxers, what what are some of the things that they should do so they don't uh, fall into some of the pitfalls that, that a lot of people do?
0: First thing I would tell somebody is the, the health testing. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the temperaments. And that's going to be hard. Um, you're looking at puppies. Choose a breeder that has already established a decent line or two,
2: mm-hmm.
0: if not more. Right. Choose a breeder that is open and honest um, and transparent with the good and the bad. Um, let the Let your new lines come from... The best established lines that you can find to start you off, again, just because two parents, you know, have excellent hips, mean that you don't get, you know, mild or moderate. Mm-hmm. I mean, God works in mysterious ways, and, and we cannot see the inside of these dogs that we're producing until it's done. So, but our best friends is to start with a, a health tested line. And then as they grow and your breeder, if you've chosen the right one, can tell you about the temperaments of the past cups or the or the actual breeders. It's hard to as as a breeder like I am, it's hard for me to give rights off of a um, first mating. Right. I may keep back from the first mating of two parents, but it I cannot even ever tell you that I've given rights off of a first mating off of a first line that I'm creating because I want to see what I'm doing and maybe the second go around will make those parents again if I like what I see in the pup that I've kept back. Mm -hmm. Um, It's all going to be in the breeders they choose, honestly. And then um, the temperaments, I'm seeing a lot of nervy dogs these days, even at some of the events that we go to. I've seen some that are ill-mannered. Of course, that could be environmental in the way that they were raised. Mm -hmm. Um, I see some that are scared of their own shadow or fear biters. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't like that either. And that's not something as a breeder that I would start out with even to help somebody start with. Mm -hmm. Um, You've got to find somebody that's just honest. I mean, we've had to call dogs out of our program over the years, and it has literally broke my heart. Again, I cannot do it the other way. It's not in me to do it wrong. Mm-hmm. I do the best I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then later on to admit to the mistakes as far as, okay, well this one's temperament's a little bit off. Um, you know, this one, you know, the hips aren't where they need to be. I don't have a male to suffice, you know, to bring her hips up, you know, kind of deal. Um, just to be honest and and secure in the that one, you're you're choosing a great breed. Boxers are cool; they're just fun. Um, and then two, start with the health, the health and the temperament from the, from your breeder. Find a mentor.
2: Right.
0: Find, find a mentor in this in this boxer world and go from there.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Well, the AKC standards, of course, you know the boxers are square. They get the undershot bite. Um, typically in America, you're looking at cropped and docked. Um, they're they're left intact in, in many european countries you know the fawn or brindle with flash or classic why is it dq an akc show ring now with that being said uh, there's been a couple over in the european countries that's opened up their breeding to a white bitch mm-hmm. and um, you know they bred with a uh, genetically plain sire and they produce some flashy cups I probably wouldn't have started with that particular bitch because, you know, the hips weren't up to par. Um, I feel like if you're going to start a new trend, you you start with a mm-hmm. Um, But as far as here, the males are 23-ish to 25-inch tall at the withers. Females are a little smaller, 21-23-ish. to um, My boy Harsh is a, a little out of standard. He's a little too tall. Got a little bit of a long back. So what we do here is we take our flaws... And we put them with as close to perfection as possible. You don't put a, you, you, it's not like, it's not like what we think about with humans. Mm-hmm. You don't put a big dog and a tiny dog and, and hope for medium. You typically take your flaw and you put it with correct. And then you keep back the most correct that you can.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So when my, when I breed my boy harsh, I breed him to a very uh, more in standard female. And I keep back the standard as close as possible because that is his flaw. He's huge. He's too big, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, but again, I love him as my sport dog, my working dog, as far as that, and he's a therapy dog, so he adores children, and we we go to schools and libraries and uh, different events and public access hours with him all the time. He adores that, but then I can throw him on a coursing field, and he comes out pretty close to top, you know, as far as our breed. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just the prey drive thing. You know, as far as like with Ventus, the European boy, he is very much in standard. Um, he's pretty close to standards, as close as you can possibly get as far as our AKC standards here in America. Um, and Which aren't far off the FCI standards there in the European countries. Right. Other than their, their dogs, you know, with, now they have ears and they keep their zoo claws and they have tails, which I think is very cool. I like the impact. Um, America's a little behind on that. Um, So we still crop and dock and then we typically take, you know, the dues off. Mm -hmm. Um, When I look for something, I try to look for standard. It's that simple. I try, I don't try to, I don't accept a very small dog, let's say. I mean, I'm not scared, you know, I'm not scared of throwing one into my program, but by God, she'd have to be on top, you know, in order for me to do so. Again, I'm trying not to um, create the largest males either. But I do like the medium muzzles. I'm not here breeding in Mississippi for these apple heads and these smushed faces. I'm not going to do it. That's not in my heart. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't want extremely long, but I want some good medium working muzzles. Mm -hmm. They need to be wide. Their nares need to be nice and open. And they need to be able to recoup from anything that I throw them in. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we don't do it. You know, I will not have that in my program. Mm-hmm. So that's basically what I look for. I look for standard. I like the medium muzzles. I like the working heart, whichever working side they want to go to. I don't care if it's prey or if it's the other working. I, I, I'll work with whatever their God put in their heart. And then, of course, I like that the, the wide muzzle and the open nares. I like good rear angulation. Um have a little trouble here with a couple of mine with a low croup. We're working on that. Mm-hmm. We're breeding some more correct. We'll keep the most correct back, and we'll add those to our program. You know, um, again, that helps me taking these dogs to show. So these the experts can look at my dog and say, look, I'm just going to be honest with you. This one has this and this and this. Mm-hmm.
2: I'll
0: take that home. I'll look at the pedigree. I'll, start, you know, I'll go back and, and resurface old pictures from past, you know, generations, and I'll see where we need to go next. Because if it's already in his pedigree, if it's already there in the lineage, then I feel like I may can correct that and bring it back if I want to hold on to that working heart. Harsh is built more for speed. Um, he's got the prey driven heart. He's got amazing angulation. He, as a whole dog, works. No, I don't, I don't, I'm not talking on the field. I'm saying this works. He complements himself. Okay? Even as he's getting older, he's still very fit. There's nothing about him that I would not ever want to reproduce other than pulling it down, just toning it down just a notch.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Just a notch. Getting getting the height back a little bit more correct. Getting that croup up just a little bit. Um, the, the, muz, the muzzle could be maybe an inch shorter. There's things, but there's things about him that I'm, I'm not going to try to disarray what he is other than the fact if I could tone him down a little bit, I'm going to consider myself amazingly lucky. Mm-hmm. He is the hardiest dog we've ever owned in our life. Uh, his sister, Letty, we, we have two. Um, they're, we call them the twins. She's the hardiest and most hunting bitch I've ever owned in my life. She couldn't take down anything. She there's there's she's fearless. These two will be in my program until they cannot be mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I've already kept one of Letty's daughters, and we have plans in 2020 to keep one of Harsha's, actually three of Harsha's puppies. Um, we need these. We need the hardiness in our lines. We need we need the speed. We need the we need the, we need the overall boxer. I just need to tone him back just a little bit, if mm-hmm. possible. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't mean it's hard. I'm talking about just the size.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. That's how I feel about my harsh. He is the most amazing dog we've ever owned. If I cannot ever change it or make it better, that's okay by me because we've got the best.
1: Right, and that's kind of like my line of thinking, even if if it's off a little bit, but it adds so much more to a program that, yeah, there's no reason to... No reason to worry about it. Just keep it going. In
0: if my, you can yeah. if you cannot make it more standard, I mean, I'm only going by standards that other humans set.
1: Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. I'm I'm not saying I one thousand percent agree with A K C standards. I'm not saying that. But yeah. I'm I also try very hard in our program to breed a standard.
2: Right.
0: Him being a bigger boy, I always put him with a more correct bitch. Mm-hmm. We know the flaws. We know what needs to be worked on or what needs to be improved. If possible, If I cannot ever, and I produce only him, that's okay. He's a hell of a dog, and I couldn't ask for more.
1: Has there been any talk w- within any of the boxer community to use say like a an American Staffordshire or Pitbull or some other breed to cross into it to make it a healthier dog with maybe a little more um fire?
0: Why well, sure. There's a lot of talk. Um basically that's that's gonna be on your working dog side. Yeah. They're more open about the crosses, they're more open about um, purpose, you know, it's a purpose-bred dog, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, what do you think a Dutchie came from, you know, kind of deal, Um, or a bunch of other breeds, you know, yeah, there's talk about it, I don't think that I could do it myself, Mm -hmm. Um, just not really something, I mean, I've got my own thing I'm working on, I don't need any more on my plate as Mm -hmm. far as like crossbreeding kind of deal, Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't ever judge others for purposefully trying to Hardy up a dog Mm -hmm. or a better heart or eliminate genes or add size as long as they do it purposefully and they have a place for these dogs that will be worked and tested
2: Mm -hmm.
0: i would never judge somebody like that you know again um i just don't have it in me for now for our panel probably Mm -hmm. won't in my lifetime but boy i enjoy watching everybody else right right i love a good Um, Mal and Shepherd Mix. I love, I mean, all these seminars we go to, um, you'll see a mix come out like that that you're just about scared to even make eye contact with. You know, um, I like that. They know what they're doing. They've done it for years. Um, And they typically, there's a group of them and they have a collaboration. You know, they're doing it amongst themselves. They're not hurting anybody and they're creating healthy breeds. Now, other people that just throw a couple together, I don't care for that. I'm not going to yeah. have that in my life. I'm not going to have those people in my life. I don't have time for that. I don't. We don't just go with mixed breeds. We just don't do it. We're just it's something we don't believe in. Now later on, if the Boxers continuous you know that they continuously decline on health and whatnot, and somebody say, you know, in my son's lifetime comes up and says, "Well, let's throw this in there. This will make it great." And it does make it great. Man, more power to you. That's amazing. That's wonderful. You know, but at this time, I just. I do watch others and I appreciate their efforts and their hard work as long as they ethically do it. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. Definitely. You know, um, I mean, I've got a good friend, Big Mike, up north that, I mean, he and I talk all the time uh, about a boxer and a pressa mix. You know, I mean, we've got pressas down here in the south that work with our group and they are an amazing specimen. Yeah. Amazing. Love the I mm-hmm.
2: uh,
0: Know that um, I'm strong enough. I'll have to humbly say it not, you know, may not be strong enough to handle a, a full-grown, wide-open presser. You know, but he and I talk all the time about that and how it would complement the boxer, the breed itself, you know, um, on something like that. Uh, am I going to do it? No, I'm not. I mean, I just, mm-hmm. I have, I'm keeping up with the eight that I have.
2: Right, no doubt, no doubt.
0: Uh, you know, as far as sitting back and starting up a brand new program and looking at, you know, three lines down the road, you know, another 10 years, I, I don't have that in me. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to focus on, I've got my Borble, which I will always have a Borble in my life. I don't breed him, but I do have him here and I adore him. I'm a Borble fan.
1: Okay.
0: I love, love, love the breed. got good people in my life that, you know, it's, it's from that breed as well. But the boxers are my heart, you know, so I just pretty much focus on eliminating diseases or strengthening hearts um, or activating for getting out there, getting off your hineys and doing something with your dog. Absolutely. You know, that, that's what I feel my purpose is in this boxer world for now. Um, we're not just breeding for a bunch of pets. We never, ever breed for money because let me tell you, I'm broke. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and most good breeders are... Th- you know um, I think one of your questions was you know what does your kennel look like our kennel is our house Um, we got a bunch of temporary holds outside but we are in the process of building a larger kennel but until that gets done they're in my house or they're in temporary holds on a sunny day or you know I mean that this is my life you know Um, so I can only focus on what I feel like I put so much time and effort into this. I really don't feel like I, I could put the right time and effort into ending into a crossbreed. This moment,
1: you know, I see the I see the 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 world of, of the dog world kind of as as a love hate relationship in this last year and a half journey of mine.
0: That's exactly right. You know, yeah. when it comes to that you'll see more passion than anything. Yeah. And I appreciate that. I, you know, I appreciate that fact out of people when when I, do, I don't like the drama on Facebook and stuff like that. I try to even avoid it. But when you see somebody passionately respond or passionately call you or passionately share their knowledge, their failures, yeah. that's the stuff. That's what's going to make any breed better at the end of the day.
1: What breed do you like that you've... N- that interests you that you've never owned or have never really been around? Corso. Really? Okay.
0: I love them. I love them, love them. Yeah. I do see, um, we have about, uh, quite a few Corso people, some breeders, some not, in our lives. Mm-hmm. And I see that they're fighting the same, almost the same thing that what we're fighting in the boxer world. Yes. I see that a lot. Um, I feel their pain. I feel their exhaustion. Mm-hmm. And I feel their passion. I like the Corso breed.
1: Yeah.
0: If I were to go to that breed ever, I would I would find the best mentors first. And again, like I did with the Borbo, I researched him for three years, yeah. then stayed on the list for a year. I would do the same thing with the Corsos. It's not a breed to take lightly, but I like my big dogs, and I like that breed. We show a lot with with the Corsos. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff that I'm seeing happening in that world. Yeah. But yes, that's my other breed that I'm pretty obsessed with
1: right what kind of diet do you feed your boxers and what's worked the best
0: we have done everything from the lowest grade kibble to raw right
1: um,
0: what works for us is a high grade kibble we're currently on purina pro plan okay I give, as far as supplements the only thing that i do is they all get a half a teaspoon of sea meal. it's a holistic immune booster pretty much uh-huh um kale based and then the older ones the adults get a vitamin c a day okay that's
2: it
0: that's all we do and i, I if i if i could have a dollar for every time somebody asked me about Harsh's physique and what i feed and what can they do to improve i'd be rich i would be rich but i'm telling you his is mostly genetics you can't genetics is where, where we started and we got very lucky with that off of our off of his sire and we are going to continue that on. We don't do a lot. We work them. We keep them thin. We don't overfeed. Uh, we exercise them. Every day they're going to exercise it some form or fashion. And then we just feed kibble and the meal and the vitamin C. And that's it. And now, I just kept it simple. I feel like that's the best, that's the best medicine. Mm-hmm. I keep it simple. I even have good friends that refuse to supplement. I've got others that'll feed their dogs five pills a day. Mm -hmm. I don't judge anybody, I do what works for us. Um, The main reason, raw worked very well for us, but with as many dogs as what we had, one, I just got tired of processing. Mm -hmm. I never saw my family, I was always at the kitchen doing, you know, processing meat. And then two, in our our service dog therapy dog work, um, it was pretty much against the rules. It became against the rules because some of our clients had no immune system. So if I brought a dog up there that had a little something bacteria on its lip, it rubbed on, you know, on the client. Well, that client got sick. So that it, it just worked out for us at that time frame to go ahead and stop the raw and go back on the kibble. I miss it because most of my dogs did fantastically on it. There was a couple, like I say, that didn't thrive too well, but now a high grade kibble with just my low supplements, um, I keep everything consistent and, again, never overfeeding. That's the biggest thing, especially yeah. in the boxer world. Everybody wants a fat yeah. boxer. Pup. Yeah. You know, um, it's the that's the worst thing you can do for them. And I just – my I do my darndest to look at my dog as a whole every day of their life, not just every month. Every day of their life, hey, is my boy, boy getting fat today? You know, do I need to back him off a half a cup for a week? You know, I try my darndest to – you know, boxers are pretty easy or self-regulating to an extent. But once you stay a neuter, which we have some here, well, then that's all they do is want to eat.
2: Yeah. So you
0: still exercise. You still have to watch them. They get the same amount. And we feel like we're doing pretty good. Our little program here is consistent with the food, consistent with the supplements, and we keep the content low. And we grow them slow as well, um, you know, to help protect against joints and whatnot. But, again, I do – wholeheartedly feel that genetics plays a huge part in that um as far as being hardy and being able to pretty much eat anything they got a rock gut of course we try not to let that ever happen but don't think that you know harsh hadn't been out and, and ate half skunk you know i mean these are again we live on acreages and acreages and uh you know we do take them hunting sometimes you know so um uh, pretty much a rock gut and i do appreciate that Factor of them, I feel like we're lucky, and we, by golly, are going to keep that in our minds. Yeah, definitely. the best we can, because that can be that—that's real hard to overcome mm-hmm. when you have to continue continuously stay sick over something, or very sensitive to this and sensitive to that. Well, that's really hard one to overcome, and then two to breed out of yeah. your lines. Mm-hmm. So, again, we're going to stick with the hardy side and, and roll with it.
1: Most definitely. Have you noticed in in the hot, humid weather uh, any skin issues?
0: Oh yeah, they get it every now and then. Um, you know, of course they they all have hair, but it's very thin. We're mm-hmm. not double coated over here like the Borble. He's double coated. My boxers don't do very well in extreme extreme heat. Um, their outside time is limited. We watch very closely. Mm-hmm. If we have to exercise, we might break it up in two or three times. You know, or a lot of walking versus running,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, just to keep their, their bodies stimulated, their muscles loose. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, we don't do well in extreme heat. We do a lot of swimming in extreme heat. We'll okay. take them to the creek down the road, and uh, it's, it's, the sand bottom is easy on their joints. Mm-hmm. The water cools them off. But even with that, we're not there more than 45 minutes to an hour. Right. We'll load them up and bring them home, but no, we don't do well in heat. And uh, the Borbole actually loves the cold. Um, my Boxers do not care for the extreme cold. We're talking not like your cold. Yeah, yeah. But if, if it's twenty degrees here, we're all dying. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's what again? What we're accustomed to here for our our family. Mm-hmm. You know, we have we have Boxers in many many states, and I see that they have acclimated themselves. You know, say in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. um you know connecticut and stuff like that they've acclimated themselves to live that life and be good with it
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know here my dogs here i can see that extreme heat is very it can fatal to them and then extreme cold is not good for any them, in my opinion we just we just do our best just to i mean we don't leave them out all day during the yeah. summer um, they'll have their outside time and their sunning time. But when I see them start getting up and, and trying to find shade, I don't know. It's like time to come in. You know, I mean, we try to give them their independence, and, and they're, they still have to live. They still have to make choices. They need to know how to get to shade or get out of shade sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that. It's just I'm much more aware in the dog days of summer or in the extreme cold. I'm just mm-hmm. much more aware of them. Yeah. You know, spring and fall, and we're on the road anyway. We're running some event or – hitting a seminar or or we're doing something um you know so we're always it's you know the climate is perfect because we're in the van or in a hotel room yeah you know but um as far as the dog days yes sir we do have to be very careful Mm -hmm. and i i do preach that to my people whether it's people just getting into the breed or just puppy owners or whatever i I definitely preach it to them
1: was there any last words you would like to say
0: um just appreciate the opportunity um appreciate you letting us put our word out about our little program and our 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 working dogs and bitches and um really excited for the future and what we're trying to do here um i appreciate the people that are are humble enough to come to me and and ask me questions about different muzzle lengths and you know sizes of these dogs or who we're going to mate and what i expect out of those you know those matings coming up i um, very excited for the plans that we have, and um, I was going to end it on a negative note against Backyard Breeders, but man, I just can't do it. I've enjoyed the interview, yeah. and I just want to bit at that, that we appreciate our followers um, more than anything. I, I appreciate the people that pick up the phone call and call me yeah. and say, hey, you know, what can I do to better this? Or, hey, let me give you some advice, and I'll say, bring it on. Mm-hmm. You know, those I, I appreciate the people in our life more than anything. So I enjoy doing the social media. Um, I'm thankful for my stepdaughter, Elena, because she helps me with that tremendously. Because, again, it's hard to work a, a good-sized working dog with a phone in your hand.
1: Yeah, no doubt.
0: So, the people that take the videos and the pictures and pass them on to me can never thank them enough because, again, you know, it, it, we just cannot do that. And I know people want to see. They want to see what we're doing and where we go and, and what we get our dogs into and what all the crap I throw them into, you know, and, and how they come out of it. So, I mean, we've had our own failures. So just want people to know that in the boxer world, I'm here for you. I hope you're here for me. And um, let's move forward together. Nice. I just appreciate the opportunity and the phone call.
1: I appreciate it, and uh, I look forward to hearing more about your, your program and maybe having you back on in the near future.
0: That sounds great. It was wonderful talking to you today.
1: You too. Thank you very much.
0: Happy New Year.
1: You too. alright right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.